Welcome to the Powerhouse Youth Podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today, and we hope that this builds you up and helps you live out your faith. Enjoy the message. glad that you're here tonight. I want to start off, one, uh, I'm excited that we're getting to start, man, kind of a new little, like, series. I'm actually not kicking off a series tonight, but we're out of our last series, uh, and tonight should be a little more encouraging. Can I get a praise the Lord? And so... So it's important to speak truth, but we also, I mean, we want to encourage you to pursue the Lord. And so tonight, before we jump into the Word, I have a story. Has anyone, have you ever had just something dramatic happen in your life that just scarred you? (laughs) And it's like, you just never get over it, and it kind of becomes like, it just shapes your being, right? Okay, (laughs) Ben, all of Ben's dramatic moments are with his brother, Jack. Jack, please, please quit abusing your brother. Um, But I want to tell you a story that has shaped my life. And sometimes I still get nightmares. Okay, so this is what had happened. I, I might have shared this with a few of you before, but when I was a child, I was probably around three years old. Yes, way. And I love these things called Fruit Loops. Anybody else you love Fruit Loops? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Praise God for Fruit Loops. But I I loved Fruit Loops and I also loved Coca-Cola. Anybody you like Coke? Who in here you're more of a Dr. Pepper fan? Okay. There's the door. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm more of a Mountain Dew fan. So anyway, water, ugh, <laughs> ugh, healthy, gross. All right. Anyway, so I had this bright idea. I love Fruit Loops. I love Coke. What would be amazing, you know, when you're a child, if you mixed them together. And so y'all, I was so pumped And I thought I was being just like a genius. And so I get the biggest bowl that I can find. And I'm thinking this is about to be the best thing I've ever tasted. So I make a huge bowl of Fruit Loops with Coke. (laughs) Yeah, this happened last week. And I I got this huge spoonful and I was so excited and I put it in my mouth. And guess what? It was disgusting. Disgusting. But that's not where the scarring part happened. My mom walks in, and she was like a no-nonsense, no-waste kind of person. And so my mom makes me eat the entire bowl of Fruit Loops and Coke. And so I'm sitting there about to throw up the entire time. And since then, I just don't really like cereal, okay? Like, I just don't do it. I've never, I don't think I've ever eaten Fruit Loops since. Uh, It's just been a scarring, scarring story, okay? Anybody, you just had something like that happen, it just changed you forever. Like, if you ever throw up a food, does it, like, take you years to go back to it? Yeah, that happened to me one time with stuffed crust pizza. It took me five years to eat stuffed crust pizza again. Y'all, and that was a heartbreaking five years because I loved pizza so much. But here's the deal. I I think sometimes things happen in our life, and you can kind of develop a little bit of a 
trust issue? Can I get an amen? Something happens, somebody stabs you in the back, something dramatic goes on, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, I don't trust cereal no more. Like, I don't trust that anymore. I don't trust my friends anymore. I don't trust people in relationships anymore. Like, something bad happens to somebody at church, and people are like, oh, no, I don't trust people at church anymore. Can I get an amen? And, and sometimes we, we start to develop these trust issues, and we let something silly, something small, begin to scar us for the rest of our lives. And it's like, y'all, I shouldn't have let my Fruit Loop experience keep me from cereal like for the rest of my life, right? Because there's still just delicious cereal to be enjoyed. Yeah, that's the most passionate you are going to be about anything tonight. And but, but here's the deal. I think oftentimes we allow these things to kind of carry over in our spiritual lives, and then we begin to have trust issues with the Lord. Have you ever recognized in your life, maybe you begin to struggle in an area, maybe we try to challenge you to step out in faith and do something, and then you realize, maybe I'm not as trusting to God as I should be. Maybe I don't trust him. Maybe I don't hope in him. Maybe I don't rely on him like I know that he has called me to. And, and so a lot of us, we can find some silly examples in our lives that, that have caused us to kind of have some trust issues. But some of us tonight, I think we need to realize we've got some trust issues and they're affecting our walk with God and they're keeping us from really trusting him with our whole heart. And so tonight, we're going to talk about this a little bit. We're going to talk about trust issues, and we're going to talk about how we are called to trust God with everything. Amen? And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 4. Yes? Turn with me to John chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. Bring them next week, but they will be on the Sky Bible. And if you would, bow your heads, and we're going to pray. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for every person that's here. And tonight, we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, you would convict us. You would draw us closer to you, and you would help us honor you in a greater way. And so, Lord, come have your way. In Jesus' name, everyone says amen. Okay. So we're going to look at a familiar, I don't know, actually not a familiar, an unfamiliar story, one that's often minimized that you would skim over if you're reading your Bible. Hey, Nathan, you look like you need a coffee. Yes? <laughs> Someone get Nathan caffeine stat. And we're going to kind of look at this little story, and then we're actually going to have a couple of your friends come up and share a couple of testimonies tonight that I think will be very encouraging to you. And if you don't know... Like, if I didn't already tell you that you were sharing a testimony, you don't have to worry that I'm calling you up, because some of y'all looked really scared, like you were about to get called up here and have to talk, so that's, that's not you, okay? All right, so here we go, John chapter 4, look at verse 46 and 47. Are you with me? Say, yeah. Okay, it says this, so Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Okay, so this entire story is surrounding a man, a powerful man. He's some sort of ruler, official, or nobleman, and his son is sick to the point of dying. 
Okay, and out of desperation, he's trying to find someone or something that can save his son. I hope that some of you would do this for your family. Raise your hand if you would. Raise your hand if it matters who the family member was. Oh, my goodness. I knew. We're praying for all of you. (laughs) You sick and twisted people, okay? Depends on which family member. But I I hope we would be able to do that, right? And so this man, he's obviously heard of the teachings, the miracles, all of these crazy things that are accompanying Christ's ministry, and what does he do? He says, okay, this is, this is my shot. I've got to find this man named Jesus, and I'm going to beg him to come and to touch my son. Okay, and so he was so kind of fixated on this, he actually traveled uh, about 20 to 25 miles. That's how long of a trip it was uh, from Capernaum to Cana. Y'all, I know 20, 25 miles doesn't sound like very far today, but back back in the day on the, on the good old camel slash donkey, that's a pretty good trip, all right? Pretty good trip. And so he loads his donkey or his camel or whatever, and he goes to find Jesus, and he asks him to heal his son. Look at this, verse 48. Jesus responds to him, and he says this, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Okay, this is an interesting statement because this man obviously believes to some degree, Right? He's got to believe in Jesus to some degree. He's heard about him. Otherwise, he would not have just traveled 25 miles from Capernaum to Cana to find Jesus. And so there's some level of faith here, but Christ knows that his faith and his trust in him is just limited. It's just a little bit. It's only partly. He's only partly trusting. This man got a little bit of trust issues, like some of us. Amen. And so Jesus sees this man's heart. He realizes that he's not fully trusting in him. And what is crazy is this encounter with Christ is actually about to deepen his trust. It's about to pull this man deeper into fully trusting Christ with his entire heart. And I want you to kind of stop and think for just a second. Jesus is looking at this man and he realizes, hey, he doesn't trust me fully like I know that he should. And I wonder, I mean, is this not how Jesus looks at us oftentimes. Can we be honest for a second and you just think about your own life, your spiritual life, your spiritual journey, wherever you are, what you're going through. Do you feel like you trust Jesus with absolutely everything or do you feel like it's more of a sliver, right? What? It's like define, define sliver, little, little bit. That's what I would give you, okay? And, and so I think this is, this is how God looks at us. And, and, and just like this man in this story, I think God tries to pull us to, to a deeper place. He tries to get us to trust him in a, in a greater way with all of our heart. And, and if we don't recognize this, if we don't recognize that, hey, man, I'm not really trusting God with everything, it can really hold you back from stepping out and everything that God has called you to do because you don't really think God's going to come through for you. Have you ever been there before? Has, uh, has anybody, have you ever seen uh, these glass bridges, bridges made of glass? Have you ever seen those on like TikTok or Reels or whatever? You ever seen the videos where it's like people that are scared of heights or whatever, they get to the edge where it's glass and they're like freaking out, they're about to step out and they just like can't do it? I think we have a few pictures 
we can click up here. This toddler even, it's like he walks up and he was like, nah. And he's like, I got to test this thing out. Like he's sticking one foot out. He's trying to make sure that this thing is solid. It's going to hold him up. We got this guy. That would probably be me. He's just like freaking out. Okay, it's like, nah, I can't do it. This guy, he just was not having it, okay? They flipped him over. They're dragging him off. It's just amusing to me. But what's, what's kind of funny, and, and what I was thinking about as we're preparing, and this, this first step on a glass bridge, I don't know if you've ever been on anything like that. Um, I, I'm sure some of you have. But the first step out there, it's kind of like a step of faith, right? It's like anyone with common sense, it's like, um... We're going we're gonna to make sure, like, before you just go all in, it's like, you just want to double check. Like, I know that guy earlier was standing out here, but maybe something happened to it since then, and, like, I just want to double check. And, and, and it's really a, a step of faith until we can see that this thing can actually hold us up, right? And I think this is often what kind of has to take place in our relationship with God for us to, to finally trust him in a greater way. Because oftentimes we know that God has called us to do things and to share our faith or to be bold or, or to say no to sin. And, and it's just scary, right? It can be very uncomfortable to think about talking to your family members or your friends about your faith. Or maybe you start trying to talk to somebody at school and they say something or ask you a question that just makes you look like a dummy. Anybody been there before? It's like, Man, that just gives you anxiety just thinking about it. And it's like, hold up. I, I think for a second we can kind of view this as, as almost like a glass bridge that oftentimes what we really need is just to, to take that first step of faith and realize that God is actually there and he's there to uphold us. And, and what's really interesting to me, even about these, these, uh, these glass bridges, it looks like nothing's there. But yet with your mind, you know that something is there and it's going to hold you, right? And it's like it's often like this, even in our spiritual life. It, it, it often feels like maybe God's not here, maybe God's not there with you, and yet when you have this step of faith and you step out to trust him, you realize that he's there to uphold you during all of the, the boldness, the stepping out, the sharing your faith, to give you the words to speak. You realize that God's there, right? And so what I want you to kind of see is that I believe God is calling us Man, beyond our partial trust, only trusting him a little bit, and he's calling us to take that step of faith and start to trust him a little bit more. And I know at the beginning it's scary, it's intimidating. Boy, some of us on that glass bridge, we'd be freaking out and screaming and squealing and everything else, but then once you're out there and you realize that it's safe, I mean, it's an amazing experience, and it's the same thing with our relationship with God, that he's, he's trying to get us to step out and trust him, and although you can't see him and what he's doing, you have to trust that he's there and that he is going to uphold you. I mean, God will do it. He'll be faithful. And when we are struggling in areas of our lives, I wonder if it's because we haven't really learned to truly trust in God the way that we should. When you're dealing with anxiety, and I know a lot of our students, man, you, you have struggles and battles with anxiety, the pressures of the world, the chaos that's going on around us, is it because you haven't learned to let go and actually trust that God is going to take care of you and that we're trying to control all these things ourselves, right? Right? It's a trust issue. 
Man, if you really recognize that God's got my back and he's taking care of me and he's providing for me and and even though things are hard or bad right now, I know God is going to work things together for my good, all of a sudden there's a greater level of trust there, right? And so that could reveal, hey, maybe you got a little bit of a trust issue. When you're struggling to surrender and let go of sin in your life, is it because you're struggling to believe that God would actually be better than that thing that you don't want to give up? Probably. When you're too scared or fearful to share your faith with those that are broken around you, I mean, is it because you haven't learned to really trust God and everything that he's called you to do and you're only trusting him with part? And doesn't it seem foolish? I mean, the majority of us, if I asked you, have you trusted Christ with, for salvation, that you're a follower of him, that you're gonna live for him and you've chosen to make him the Lord and savior of your life? Most of us would raise our hands and we wanna trust God with, with some huge task as huge tasks such as salvation, that he would save us from eternal damnation, that he would forgive us of our sins and all these huge things, and then yet we don't want to trust him with the small things in our everyday life. Have you ever realized that? How silly is it to trust him with something that's huge and yet not trust him with the small things? I think it shows us we've got some trust issues. And a lot of us, we've been hurt, we've been harmed, man, our, our parents have maybe mistreated you, maybe someone in your life has man, hurt you or cut you deep, and they've given you every bit of a reason to not trust people around you. Can I tell you that that is not how God is? God's got your back, and we can wholeheartedly trust him. And for a lot of us, our relationship with Christ Man, it is all encompassed by attending a Wednesday night service or a Sunday morning service. And, and we, we hear a few worship songs and we listen to a little sermon and, and, and listen. Hey, that is a great, great place to start. Man, that is a great beginning, but that's not where you're called to remain. Man, God is wanting to do more in your life. He's wanting to take you to a deeper place and he's wanting you to trust him fully with everything that you are. We're not just going to sing songs. We're not just going to listen to a sermon, but I'm going to begin to trust God to move in my life and change who I am. And then I'm going to begin to trust God to move through my life and change other people's lives as well. And we can't just trust him in part. We've got to get, give him everything. Amen? Are you with me? Amen? I want you to look at verse 49. This is how the story continues. The official said to him, he responds to the words of Christ, and he just says this, Sir, come down before my child dies. And so Christ, he had challenged this man just a little bit, and the man is still fully set on having Jesus come and heal his son. In this small statement, it actually uh, reveals that this man has a faulty expectation He believed at least in part that Jesus would come and heal his son, but he's actually thinking that it has to happen in a specific way. Christ, will you come, you have to be there, you have to come lay hands on my son, you have to come pray for him, you have to come do something. And and sometimes we get some faulty expectations in our lives of how things are going to happen. Have you ever done that? It's kind of like reading a book. And the book's amazing, and then you go watch the movie, and it's like, I had some faulty expectations, and they really let me down. 
<laughs> yeah, or you could just not read like Jack. Cool. <laughs> I have no high expectations for anything, so cool. All right. This is, this is the response, though, in verse 50. Jesus responds to this man's plea, and he says this. Go, your son will live. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. And so I want to point out here for just a moment, Christ responds to this man in a way that he didn't expect. This man was pleading with Christ to come, to encounter him in person, to come to his house, to do all these things. And Jesus, he, he responded in a way that he didn't respect, expect. He, he only responded in word, right? He only said something. He said five words. It's like, wait, that's it? <laughs> That's it. And this man, he's probably expecting Jesus to come and, and kind of do some dramatic type ritual. He comes to his house. He kicks everyone out. He prays. He fasts. He does whatever. He lays hands on, on his son. And all, the, all of a sudden, the son is healed or comes back to life or whatever's going on. And, but Jesus didn't respond and he didn't act or behave in the same way that this man had expected. He responded by, by simply saying five words, go, your son will live. And so this presented a big challenge to this man because he had a decision to make. He had to decide if he was going to truly trust Christ in this moment or not. Well, I had believed that you would come in person and you would touch him, but, but it, is it different if he just says a word? It's like, okay, go, like, go, your son's healed. I'm gonna keep doing whatever I'm doing and that's it. And you're this man, you just traveled 25 miles to find Jesus and, and to get him to come, and then all of a sudden you've got to realize, okay, do I trust that just simply because he said a word, it's done, or do I really trust, do I really believe in him or not? And I can't think of a more simplistic mode of healing than Jesus simply giving him one statement, Right? doesn't do anything else. He didn't even stop and pray. It's like all of us would gather around, we're going to get some anointing oil or whatever, and like do all these. He didn't even pray. He was just like, okay, go, your, your son's healed. It's like, what is more simplistic than this? And I want to kind of challenge us for a second because some of us, when we approach God, we have some faulty expectations and we want things to be extravagant. We want things to, to be miraculous. And I think we often forget that Jesus likes to move in simplistic ways. And when Jesus moves, even in the simple, the simplistic actually produces miraculous results. And, and what is crazy is what Jesus does is so simple. He simply responds in, in a word of mouth to, to this man, and he has to decide if I'm going to go back, if I'm going to trust that he is who he said he is. And listen, if Jesus is who he proclaimed to be, if he's God, it doesn't matter if he's there in person or if he just says it in word. When he says something, when he speaks, then it's done. That should give us a little bit of, of an ex excitement, a promise to hold on to that even though we don't see Christ in the physical, that even though he's not necessarily walking with us right here where we can see him, but he, we know that he's with us, he can simply just say a word or give a demand or say that it's done and it would be done. And so in this moment, this man is having to make this big decision. Am I going to trust him? Man, am I going to actually fully trust him, not trust him in part? Am I going to go back and believe that my son is healed? 
And listen, I think tonight a lot of us, I mean, we're in this point where I think God is trying to get you, to get us, to trust him with our whole heart. Not just trust him for salvation because we said a prayer one time. Not just trust him that, hey, that he's good and I come and sing a few songs, but that God is wanting us to walk in, in, in more than those things and that he's wanting to take you to a deeper place. And oftentimes our expectations, we're, we're wanting this big moment, this miraculous moment where, hey, Jesus shows up or there's a burning bush moment like Moses or, or God parts the Red Sea and it's like, hey, God is capable of doing all of those things and sometimes God does move in those kind of ways. But for the most, most of the time, he moves in simple ways. And if we're not ready to see Christ in the simple and in the small things, then oftentimes we miss when he's trying to move and he's trying to do things in our lives. And we often underestimate what Christ can do through even the small things. You know, I'll say this. Um, there have been some moments in my life where, man, God's really showed up and has done some amazing things. And, and I could tell you some, some really cool stories of the faithfulness of God. But for most of my life in pursuing God, I have seen God move in the little things in my life. And it's actually through the little things, through the simple things, through trying to be consistent in pursuing him and worshiping him and, and reading my Bible and just running after him, I can now look back years later and say, praise God that, that he has done a miraculous work in my life because I'm not who I used to be. I don't think how I used to think. I don't behave how I used to behave. I don't do the stupid stuff that I used to do because God has moved in my life but I've now come to recognize that he moves often in these simple, simple ways. And most of us are looking for the miraculous and we miss out on what God is wanting to do in the little things. We want the miraculous, we want the extravagant, and so we're not faithful in the little things. And so we're actually missing out on what God is wanting to do in your life. Man, most of you, you know, I remember when I was young and, and there were several sins and struggles that I was continuing to deal with. And I remember coming to the altar and I would lay those things down before God. And I'd be like, God, I just, I need your victory. And I would just expect fully that, hey, I'd walk away from the altar and that I would just never have that desire again. And listen, sometimes that happens for people and that is fantastic, praise God. There were some things in my life that just, it didn't happen that way. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And you know what? As I pursued God in the little and the small things, God continued to change my heart. And I want to tell you tonight that some of us, we need to shift our expectations just a little bit and realize God is moving in your life. He's wanting to move in your life. And he's going to do it more often than not in the little and small things. And so you've got to be faithful in the little and small things. You know what we preach more than anything in our entire youth group that it becomes obnoxious to me to talk about? Any guesses? Jesus? Jesus doesn't become obnoxious. <laughs> we, we talk about reading your Bible. We talk about prayer. We talk about worship. And, and often we students look at this and it's almost just like as a duty that this stinks and I don't want to do it and it's boring. And, and we're not trying to get you to do it because it's a religious duty or obligation, but because we understand that if you'll be faithful in the little and the small thing, that if you look back over years of your life, you're going to see that God has miraculously been at work changing you and transforming you and moving in your life. But oftentimes in the little things, it's hard to tell when you're in the middle of it. 
we're, we're trying to push you to do those things because God is wanting to move in your life, but we're wanting the miraculous when Jesus often chooses to move in the simplistic. And so I want to challenge you to be faithful. Be faithful in the little things. If you're not reading your Bible, read your Bible and dive in. Man, if you're not worshiping God in your private time, worship God. If you're not praying, man, up up your prayer time. Be consistent, be faithful, and I promise you, you'll look back in a year, two years, and you'll be so thankful for everything that God has done. And so I want to kind of ask you a question. I want to give you just a, a little challenge to kind of think about here for a moment. Do you really trust and believe that God can move and change your life completely? Do you really believe that? Because a lot of people only believe it in part. A lot of us, we only trust God for salvation, and we just want to live however we want to live. And and I want you to see all throughout Scripture, we see encounters with Christ where He transforms and He changes people. They're not the same. You look at the New Testament leaders of the early church, the They're not the same after they had encountered Christ. The people at the end of of the book of Acts, they're they're not the same men that they were at the beginning of the Gospels. Like Christ changed their lives forever. And and I want just to to challenge you a little bit. God wants to move in your life and, and you have to wholeheartedly trust that he will move and he will change you. Even if it doesn't all happen in just a moment, he'll be faithful to move in your life, even in the little things. And then also, man, many of us, we've had God move in in areas in our lives. We've had experiences with God. God set us free from sin or struggles or or other things. And, And we also have to learn that God not only will move in our lives, but we have to fully trust that he'll move in the lives of people around us. Do you think if you wholeheartedly believed that God was going to move in your friend's life, you would be a little more apt to share with them? Right? Does this not make you think just a little bit? Okay, maybe I do have some trust issues. It's like, I don't really trust God to fully move in their lives. I just kind of am hanging out and hopefully he'll do something miraculous. Maybe he'll give them a dream or a vision or do something to kind of convict or correct them. But Lord bless them. But that's about all you do. And it's like, listen, we've, we've got some trust issues because if we really knew, hey, Jesus is who he says he is, that he is God and he hears our cries, then we could cry out to him and he could simply speak a word and forever change their life. He could simply speak a word and forever change your situation. He could simply speak a word and forever change your family. And I want you to see tonight that I think a lot of us, we only trust Jesus with a little bit. And he's wanting your whole heart. He's wanting everything. He's wanting you to get rid of those trust issues and say, you know what, I'm all in. God, I'm I'm afraid to to step out on that glass bridge. I'm I'm scared of heights and all those things. I'm scared to get out of my comfort zone. But you know what, I'm going to take a a step of faith and I'm going to trust that you're going to be there to uphold me. I'm going to trust that you're there to give me the words that I need to speak. I'm going to be there to, uh, I'm going to step out and and trust that you're going to be there to to strengthen me. Man, God is so good. And over your spiritual journey, man, you're going to learn to trust him more and more. But to begin to mature and grow, you have to step out 
you have to step out of your comfort zone and begin to try to engage a greater level of faith. And that's exactly what's happening here in John chapter 4. This man is gambling almost with his son's life. And in this moment, he has to choose if he truly trusts what Jesus just said, just simply by his word or not. And it says that the man believed and he went home to go see his son. He trusted with all his heart that Jesus was who he says he was and that he would do what he said he would do. And so he believed that his son was healed. I mean, Christ loves to move through simple things, simple ways. And listen to me, Christ wants to move in your life in the little things and just by simply spending time with him. That's the, the most simple way that Christ wants to move in your life. But also, I want you to hear this, Christ wants to move in the lives of people around you through little simple ways. Oftentimes we think that we need to be, men just extravagant communicators or speakers or men that all these things, we, we've got to just know every answer to every question and we've got to, to be able to, to combat every argument and, all, and it's like we, we build this thing up to be something that it's not and, and Christ says, no, I will take what is simple, what is little, the little conversation that you have with your friend, the small prayers that you've been praying for those that are lost around you, when you just share your testimony, just the, the little story of what God's done in your life. He says, I will take what is simple and I will produce miraculous results. I will change their life through what is simple. And so we have to trust that God will move in, in our lives through simple things and he'll also move through their lives in simple things. And it takes the pressure off of us and it puts it on God. You know, I've said this before, but it's pretty funny. Some of the worst uh, messages I think I've like ever preached, it's like some of the most people get saved that night. And I'm just like, man, I just botched that whole night. And it's like, man, like 30 students entered the altar call. It's like, that was just God. You know what I mean? Like he likes to take simple things and change people's lives. And so tonight I want to invite uh, Doug and Abby, if you two would come up. They're going to share just a little bit of how, man, even just a simple invitation to Powerhouse to come to church, man, has really just begun to man, supercharge their relationship with Christ. And I hope that it will serve as an encouragement to you. This is Doug, by the way. So make some noise for Doug. All right. So basically, uh, I'm good friends with Jacob, and he's kind of like, low-key invited me over these past few years to come to Powerhouse, but I didn't actually start coming until, like, my girlfriend's friends started getting her to come, and then I was like, oh, well, now she's gone on Wednesday nights, so I guess I better follow her, and then I went here, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is not what I thought, you know, youth group would be like, or what it was like when I used to do it, but uh, pretty much, there's really never been a time in my life where I haven't gone to church or I haven't not prayed. But what's really changed since I started coming here was the way that I pray. And I really think God's helped me to stop asking for things and using God like a lot of people will say like a vending machine where you're like, here, I give you this prayer and I hope I get something back. Like, you know, I hope I get a good grade on this test or, you know, I get something I want. It's like we just have to learn how to pray like the way we're meant to, like to praise God. 
And I'd say that's the biggest shift that's happened to me. Like, I find myself praying throughout the day, like, just thanking God whenever something amazing happens or, like, stuff that I would not even notice before. And, yeah, I think that really helps me. Make some noise for Mine's a little more dramatic than Doug's, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you that. Um, I was raised as, like, a Christian my whole life. You know, my dad went to church, like, maybe two times a month, that kind of thing. Um, I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet. I lost my mom when I was four, and so it's always kind of been hard for me as a person to believe that God lets bad things happen to decent human beings, Um, And Braylon actually had asked me to come for a a hot minute. She'd been trying to get me here. Um, And then in October of 21, I was in a relationship with someone I did not need to be, and I made some mistakes, and I actually ended up having a miscarriage. And so Braylon really was kind of my rock through that. She brought me here, and it's just really helped me grow and accept that God has a plan, and things happen for a reason. Amen. They're proud of you guys. Y'all can, y'all can take a seat. And, in, you know, we have kind of two different stories here. Man, and what I want you to see is that, man, God wants to take, man, even a simple conversation with someone that you have at school, maybe a simple church invite. He, he wants to take those things, and he wants to use them to minister to people's needs, to the things that are going on, to, to help mend and heal and, and restore. And, and uh, man, I even talked to them a little bit last week, and, and they just kind of shared with me how God's just been moving in their life these last few months, and, and that they've been coming and actually pursuing Him. And wouldn't you say, man, that their friends at school just inviting them to church is pretty simple? But yet, when you look at what God is doing, wouldn't you say that's miraculous? And we have to trust that God will take even the simple things and he'll use them to do something amazing. And so many times we like psych ourselves out and we don't invite, we don't talk to our friends, we don't share our faith, we don't tell them about what's going on and, and, and we miss amazing opportunities to see their lives change forever. And I, I want to say this, you know, I'm super, super proud of, of Doug and Abby uh, but that takes some guts for Abby to be vulnerable and share that with you. And you know, you never really know what's going on in people's lives that are around you. There are a lot of people that probably had no idea that Abby was going through that. And there are a lot of people around you, you have no idea what they're going through, what they're having to endure, what their home lives are like. And and they need Christ. They need love. They need grace. They need forgiveness. And and Christ has called you to be his hands and his feet. And if we would just simply trust him, hey, I'm going to be faithful even the simple things. I'm going to invite somebody to church. I'm going to be faithful even the simple things. I'm going to I'm going to share what God has been doing in my life with my friend that I know has kind of walked away from God. I, I'm going to be faithful in the simple things and I'm going to watch God begin to move in their life. 
you know, a few months ago, we didn't have just a ton of students from Texas High. A bunch of people had graduated and all those things. I don't know how many people are here from Texas High tonight, but I'm just going to say it's a lot more than it was three or four months ago. Pretty much their whole photography club is now coming to Powerhouse, which is, uh, which is amazing. And so, and so proud of them. But we've got to be faithful in the simple things. And so I want to end this story, the last three verses, I want to read to you, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap up for the night. This is after Jesus told him, go, your son will be healed. And this is after he said that he had believed. It says this, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all of his household. And I want you to hold on to that phrase there at the end, that he himself believed and his entire household. And it's crazy that you see where this man started at the beginning of the story. He only partially trusted in Christ. He only trusted him with with kind of part of who he was. And and by the end, it, it shows that this man had come to fully believe and trust in who Jesus is. And not only does he fully believe and trust, but but he actually compelled his friends, his family, to believe in Christ as well. And we said at the beginning of this story, this man was a ruler, he's an official, he probably has servants, he has influence. That phrase probably means a great number of people came to trust in Christ through this man's encounter and experience with him. And I want to tell you, this is what Christianity is supposed to be like. That we encounter God that we experience Him, that He moves in your life, even in the simple things, even in the small things. And then we go and we share that with others and we compel those around us that they would fully trust in Him as well, that they would come to believe in Him. I mean, Christ, you know, next week we're getting ready to to celebrate Easter. Jesus Christ and, and His story of His crucifixion and resurrection, this isn't just a story. I mean, Christ isn't a God that was crafted by human hands. He, he wasn't a, a man that was crafted through some sort of mythology or whatever. Christ is alive and he's living and, and he was literally the son of God sent to earth to, to redeem us from our sin, to, to forgive us, to set us free and, and to bring us victory. And I don't know about you, but what a message to proclaim that there is hope, that there is forgiveness, that there is grace, that there is mercy. Why would we choose not to proclaim that and share that with those around us? Because everyone around us need Him. And so tonight, what I want to do, I have kind of two little things, and I want to pray over this, and then we'll get ready to close. But one, man, we have to learn to trust that God will move in our own lives. God will move in your life. He'll move in your heart, and he'll change you. If you're struggling right now with sin or depression or anxiety or whatever it is, or vaping or cussing or whatever you're dealing with, man, God can help. God can intervene. God can move. God can slowly work in your life and bring victory. We have to trust that he can do it. I'm not just going to trust him for salvation, but I'm going to trust him to transform my life. And secondly, we have to trust that Christ will transform other people's lives as well. 
And it doesn't have to be miraculous. I don't have to be the most talented. I don't have to be the most gifted. But God will use even those little simple things that I give to him. He'll use them to build his kingdom. And so this week, we're preparing next week for Easter. We're going to talk a lot about Christ and his resurrection, what he's done, what he's accomplished for us. And I am going to extend kind of a challenge to everybody. And I want you to step out this week to be faithful with the small thing. Just simply talk to a friend about Christ, love on them, invite them to church, get them to come and hang out with us because they need to hear the saving message of Jesus Christ. And we're going to pray that next week that God would move in their life and change them forever. And so this week, I want to challenge you, let's be faithful in the small things. We have some, uh, some powerhouse invites for our Easter service we're going to put out on the coffee bar here in a little bit when we dismiss. Go by there and grab a handful of them. You can hand them out at school. We're going to screenshot on social media and stuff that you can post and, and try to help get your friends here. But listen, it's not about building powerhouse. It's about building his kingdom and seeing people saved and come to know him because we all need his forgiveness and grace. And so tonight, I, I want to pray over us. If you would bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want you for just a moment just to ask, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? We do this almost every week. Just, God, what are you speaking to me tonight? Do I struggle to really trust you? And if you're struggling to trust God, why don't you just pray for a second and just ask him to help you? to fully trust him. And I want to pray over two groups tonight. One, everyone's head still bowed. Tonight, I mean, if you know that you haven't fully trusted Christ and chosen to follow him, and that's the first step that you need to make. You need to declare that Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life and that you're going to pursue Him and honor Him and live for Him. And maybe you're ready to make that decision tonight. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand real quick. I want to pray over you tonight. Amen. Amen. Let's see a few hands. If that's you, just wave at me real quick. I'm going to say a prayer for you. Amen. And I want all of us just to kind of repeat after me for a moment. But those few that raised your hand, I want you to repeat after me and truly mean this, that you're ready to surrender to the Lord. And so let's say this together. Lord Jesus, come on, let's repeat this together out loud. Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. But I make many mistakes. And I'm in need of a Savior. And I believe that Jesus Christ is that Savior. He died on the cross for my sins. And three days later, he rose again. And so today, I confess that Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life. So Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Can we make some noise for those students who made decisions tonight? And then last, last group tonight, I want to pray for us. If you know, hey, it's time for me to trust in Christ wholeheartedly, that he would move 
in my life and that he would even move through my life and change other people's as well. Man, I want you uh, just to kind of lift your hand for a second, if that's you. If you want to fully trust in Christ, you want me to pray over you tonight that he would move. I, I see a number of hands. Let me just pray over this group tonight before we close. Lord, I, I thank you for your goodness, for your grace. And what we recognize, God, all of us have some trust issues. Lord, and we recognize that we tend to trust you only in part, but not wholeheartedly. And tonight, we ask that you would help us to, to trust you with everything that we are. Lord, that you would move in our hearts and our lives, even in the little things. Lord, that you would help us to overcome sins and struggles and problems. But Lord, we also pray that you would help us to trust that you would do that in our friends' lives. You would do that in our families' lives. God, that you would move in people's lives. And, and Lord, that we would just know that you would be faithful to do it. Lord, it's like that glass bridge. Lord, that we would take that step of faith and trust that you're going to be there and you're going to take care of us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to do that this week. Lord, that we would invite people to church. We would share our faith and we would see you come through. So will we say all these things in your name? Everyone said, amen.